This is the Family Culture Project, Episode 77, Celebrating Your Family When It's Not Normal, with Jamie Sumner. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you were meant to be. We are bombarded with messages about who we are supposed to be. Social media makes us ultra aware of what other people are doing and how they're living and what they're achieving. And if we're not careful, the culture at large, our local culture, and even our extended family's culture can cause us to fit a mold that wasn't made for us. Now, this shows up in our family in a number of different ways. And if we're not careful, we'll only reward the things that get us noticed, get our kids noticed, or things that we think are important in culture's eyes. And oftentimes, we don't even realize that we've been influenced by culture. We don't realize that we have placed value on what someone else says about us until you know, we create our own values for ourselves and start to see a contrast. Now, we may be tempted to feel disappointed when we don't match up to culture's example of what's amazing and great and what gets praised in our existing culture. We may also be tempted to be boastful and be proud of our situation if it happens to be that our family matches up to the mold of our outside culture and outside influences. And neither one of them are super great because at the end of the day, we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to other people, to what um, people are doing on social media, to what people are doing in magazines and on televisions. We should be comparing ourselves or rather holding ourselves to the standard that we've created for ourselves. Um, And a lot of that has to do with, you know, celebrating our people, celebrating what's important to us. And we do that, we can, we can do that once we've established those values and established those practices and established those things we want our family to be known for. This week's guest, Jamie Sumner, has a special needs child, and she has had to learn what it means to build a family's culture despite facing physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual challenges that that brings. Now, the key to her developing a family culture that considers typically developing and special needs children is celebrating their differences. And she's going to talk a lot more about that in this interview. Our conversation prompted me to consider, am I celebrating the world's picture of normal or am I celebrating my people for who they are and for the values that they demonstrate that that are true to our family or what we've designated for our family? You know, I don't want to only celebrate what others say that I should. I want to celebrate my people for who they are. And just like trends change, what's popular and what is celebrated in your community and media and society will change. And so if we're holding ourselves and our children and our family members to that standard and only praising them and celebrating them, if they fit that mold, we're going to be missing out on these extraordinary people that are a part of our lives. I know for myself, my kids are very different. Um, They're different from each other and they're different from their peers. And I have really on purpose, made sure that I don't compare, that I learn to celebrate who they are uniquely created to be. And I've done that in numerous different ways. I think the main thing is just being interested in them, finding out what it is that they like, finding out what it is that they are naturally inclined to do, what they're capable of doing, what their inherent talents are, asking more questions, and just getting to know them and understanding 
what's important to them and making that important to me as well. And I believe that when we are able to do that, we're able to enjoy the life that we have, but we are also able to teach our kids that they are enough. I think in conjunction to really getting to know our people is to have an understanding of what our particular family values are, understanding what it is that's important to us, understand what it is that we want to be known for. How do we want to make feel when people are in our presence? And when we guard and we cultivate those values, when we guard and we cultivate our culture, and you pair that with celebrating these unique people that are in our presence, we can really thrive as a family and leaning into our values and walking away from the script that's been given us by outside culture really allows us to um, live a really happy, fulfilled life together. And when we celebrate one another, we create a sense of security and a sense of belonging that our kids really need to feel grounded, especially when they get into that outside world and they're told that they don't fit into the mold and, they told, and they're told that they're not enough. And what I love about a strong family culture is that it gives them the foundation that they need to weather the ups and downs of the message that culture, that social media, and that other people want to give them. And so I believe that um, we can celebrate our people and because of it, help them thrive. And, you know, one of the things that we've had to do as a family is to understand what we think it means to celebrate those people. So if I were to brainstorm a list about what it means to make people feel loved and special and to celebrate their milestones, their accomplishments, their character traits, like figure out what that means for your family. And then you can walk in that. Then you can, you know, Use those practices to just shore up and solidify the culture that you have in your home. And one last thing that I think is really important, and Jamie and I talk about this in the interview, is community is so important. Not only should we be celebrating each other's differences, but taking the time to get to know people that are not like us and celebrating them as well. That, again, sends a fantastic message to our kids that says not only should you be celebrated for being unique and different, but others should be as well. This also creates empathy and understanding, and they'll be able to have that for other people. You know, when we live in a bubble and we think that our way is the only way, We soon find out that that's not true when it's time to go off into the world. And so everybody's family culture is unique and amazing. And if we can be in community with other families and other people and celebrate that, I think fantastic things will happen. So what I've learned from my conversation with Jamie is to understand your family's culture, guard it and cultivate it, figure out what it is about your family members that makes you unique and then celebrate your people. And don't forget to be in community with other people that are not like you. Do you want to know what your loved ones really think of you? We've created the Family Retreat Packet to help you connect with one another and get honest feedback on how you're doing as a family. It's like a 360 peer review, but for families. It takes the guesswork out of planning because it includes everything you need to host your own family retreat, such as a sample itinerary, a packing list, and activity suggestions. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash shop, and for only $4.99, you can download the Family Retreat Packet and host your own family retreat. 
Today, I'm talking with Jamie Sumner. Jamie has written for the New York Times and Washington Post, among many other publications. She is the author of the nonfiction book on motherhood, Unbound, and the middle grade novel, Roll With It, as well as the nonfiction book, which we'll be talking about today on special needs parenting called Eat, Sleep, and Save the World. She is also mom to a son with cerebral palsy, and she writes and speaks about disability in literature. She loves stories that celebrate the grit and beauty in all the kids. She and her family live in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome, Jamie. It's fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So I'm going to ask you a question that I ask all of our guests, and that is, what is your family known for? Uh, <laughs> I would, this is funny because when you ask me what my family's known for, this is probably what my children are known for. And then my husband and I get pulled into it in, you know, in relation to them. But I would say that we are known for extroverted friendliness is what I would say. Like my, my twins are five, Jonas and Cora are five and Charlie, my oldest is seven. And so the twins, like anybody they see, no matter where we are, it's, Hi, my name is Jonas. What's your name? How old are you? What are you doing? <laughs> Do you want to come walk with us? Do you want to see my bike? And part of that is their age. But then part of it, I think, too, is just their personality. And then Charlie, um, who's seven, is he's mostly nonverbal. But the way that he has learned to, to reach people is he is he waves so like he'll see someone a mile down the road and he'll start waving and it's not a subtle wave and he waves and waves and waves and he continues to wave until they are right up and we're passing them and they wave back and acknowledge it sometimes they don't see it mm-hmm. sometimes they're in their own world and then I'm I just will say good job waving kid and I'll give him a high five but like they just for some reason my kids are so they just want the whole world to come to them which is really sweet and then you know of course as their parents in the situation or, and me as their mom, I'm like, hi, these are my kids. And, you know, and I do the introductions and we, <laughs> so I've had some really funny conversations out in the world mm-hmm. based on uh, that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So are you and your husband as- extroverted as well? Or that's or, what's or, so or funny. Your big nightmare. <laughs> you know, okay. So it's like neither. That. So I'm not, I'm not like crazy extroverted. I, I would say I'm extroverted in spurts, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like I'm an extrovert yeah. sprinter versus okay. marathoner. Okay. And um, my husband can talk to anyone, but he wouldn't necessarily like go out of his way to, but he can talk to anyone forever. Right. So I think that they bring that part out in us, which, you know, as you get older, it's mm-hmm. almost like you tend to to draw back into your own like world of like your friends you've made, your colleagues you work with, mm-hmm. your family. And it becomes harder to be that extroverted person. Yeah. And uh, the kids do a really good job of preventing us from uh, retreating into our shell. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. It's sweet. Although Jonas has started this new thing where um, anybody that looks the same age or older as his grandma, he goes up and he's like, hi, I'm Jonas. I really like old people. (laughs) And that's how he introduces himself. They're always so kind about it, but I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I wonder if you get to a certain age and you're just like, yeah, I'm old. old. Oh, they love, it's so funny. It's like that you watch them looking at him like, I miss my grandchild or, you know, like they love it. They're like, you come tell me all about your life, honey. Oh yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. 
So tell me a little bit about your family, especially about your son, Charlie, because you've been writing about him and your journey. Yeah. So Eat, Sleep, Save the World is, it's a book for special needs parents, but it's, it's a book kind of first and foremost for Charlie, because it's all about kind of my journey in mothering him and, and learning how to live a little differently than most of the world lives. Um, so Charlie was born at 30 weeks. So he was early. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually we, he was diagnosed in utero with, a. it's called Beck with Wiedemann syndrome and it's an overgrowth syndrome and it affects lots of things, but we got the call from the Mayo Clinic confirming that diagnosis. And I swear I hung up the phone and I went into labor. Like I had him that day. Wow. I was not in labor before that phone call. And I don't think that's the entire reason, but um, I ended up going into labor. It was a very scary, traumatic birth. Um, I didn't know I was in labor. I thought I was just having back pain. And so when we got to the hospital, they're like, you are imminently having this baby. And they rushed, rushed us away. And um, it was totally God's providence that we had actually had that phone call because they told us, go to this hospital. We're going to have these specialists waiting in the room with you while you deliver to get right. him. And so um, Charlie was born basically with uh, an enlarged tongue was the initial thing that was making it difficult for him to breathe. Mm -hmm. um, he spent 10 <clears throat> weeks in the NICU and we kept kind of waiting for him to grow into that tongue and he would start to figure it out and then he would get bigger and the tongue would get bigger and he couldn't do it. So wow. he finally came home with a tracheotomy, um, which is the breathing tube in the neck, which was a terrifying decision. That was like the first big parental decision that we had to make Wow, is to do we do this trach and take the risk and pray that it works or not. Um, and then Later, he had to have a G-tube to help him eat, which is the tube in the belly. Um, so it was a really traumatic kind of first couple years of his life because he had to sleep with an oxygen and heart rate monitor, and he got RSV that first year, and, and the alarms were sirening. And my husband, the one time, the first time my husband went out of town since bringing Charlie home, and he was gone. I was, a, I was well, my mom was there, but... I didn't have him and we didn't know what to do. And so there were a lot of emergency situations, a lot of ambulance rides. Um, and then he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, which is what I talk about a lot in the book um, when he was one, which is typically when they diagnose it. They had thought it would be the case. So it wasn't a total surprise for us, but it's still hard to get that yeah. permanently written down in, in the already thick file, you know, and then start to discuss what that means for us. But yeah, that was the beginning of Charlie's life and the beginning of my kind of journey as a mom, because he was our first. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So what does daily life with him look like? Very different than it did at the <laughs> beginning. That's for sure. He's seven. So, um, he's almost eight. Mm -hmm. Uh, he is big. He's a big kid. So he's heavy and he's in a wheelchair, um, to get around. So a lot of life is very physical for us getting him in and out of his chair, um, mm -hmm. and getting him in and out of the van. We just, this is very exciting. We just bought a brand new van that actually has a chair that swings out and down so I can lift him just sideways into the seat that mm -hmm. then goes with a remote back up into the car. Oh, wow. It's incredible. Like 
it's such a, it sounds like such a small thing when I describe it, but it has changed our whole lives. Like I'm willing to go more places because I don't have to lift him all the way up into his car seat in the car. Like it's physically given us more freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but daily life is, is pretty normal um, for us. He goes to school in the morning, the bus picks him up at the bus stop. Um, he has a speaking device he uses that kind of looks like an iPad. Um, that he's not great at it yet. He's he's still practicing, but it's the way that he is best at communicating. He does his homework on it. Um, he does answers questions in school, talks to his peers on it. Um, and he can say a few words. He's not totally nonverbal. And he also understands everything everyone says. Like his receptive language is higher than um, most people's. So mm-hmm. everything he understands. So it's just kind of figuring out how to let him show people. Right. Um, but other than that, I mean, he comes, he comes with us to the twin soccer practice or baseball practice. He has horseback riding once a week that is therapeutic and one of the best things we've ever done. So he's got a great sense of humor. I mean, he's, I already told you our kids were friendly and Charlie's probably the most cheerful of all of them. He's Mm -hmm. just happy. I mean, he's just, He's just a love. That's what I sound like. You're my love. And (laughs) he just is. Oh, that's so wonderful. So you mentioned your book, but tell us more about it and what prompted you to write it. Yeah. So, um, so eat, sleep, save the world. The subtitle is encouragement for special needs parents. And basically that's why I wrote it because when I was, when Charlie was young, you know, he does not have the trach anymore. He does not have the G tube. Mm -hmm. Um, but when, when I, when he was young, I really, it's like we had, we brought him home and we had all these manuals for how to operate all these, all this machinery and equipment that came home with him. And, and there's parenting books out there that kind of read like manuals, but there was nothing for parents of kids with special needs. There just really wasn't. Or if they were, they were too technical. They were mm-hmm. like, let's try this therapy, do this thing. And like, what I wanted most was comfort and reassurance that we would be okay and that I was doing a good job and I was doing the best I could and and God sees this and is taking care of me. And there wasn't really anything out there. Um, and so when Charlie got older and more stable and I was, you know, distance and hindsight and things, and I could look back on it, I, I really wanted to use the gift of writing, which God gave me to write a book for people that are in the thick of it, um, no matter what stage that is, if they feel alone in their parenting or they don't feel understood, Mm -hmm. I just wanted them to be able to be encouraged Mm -hmm. yeah, and not be given a to-do list, just be encouraged. Yeah. So you share some of the challenges that you faced in your book. So can you share, um, maybe one of the physical, mental, emotional, or even spiritual challenges that you've had to face that you've shared? Yeah, I think so. You know, these challenges kind of come and go in waves and and you and I were talking before the podcast about various stages of that our kids go through and I think we as parents go through different stages too. Um and I think for me it's taken a long time to develop sp- spiritual and emotional trust that no matter what the situation currently looks at that I'm facing, Mm -hmm. that 
God is going to handle it. Um, because my instinct is to take control of it or just fear it, you mm-hmm. know, and whatever it is, if it was like, you know, the di- initial diagnosis of CP or, um, the moment that I'm not going to be able to lift Charlie anymore. And what is that going to look like for Charlie and I's relationship, which is so tactile and just, and just our, our dynamic in the house and things like that. Like, I don't know what that's going to look like, but the thing that I keep going back to and the thing that I've learned um, given time is that if I stop in those moments where I, I catch myself worrying about it, um, or fumbling for a way to control it or like take it, take it into my own power, which, you know, that, that hardly ever works, um, Mm -hmm. is to remember the times that felt just as scary or worrisome as this one and remember the actual ways that God did carry us through, Mm -hmm. you know, I did not want to hear the CP diagnosis, but what that did was open doors for more therapy and and medical equipment and an understanding of Charlie that if we had not gotten that, we we might not have the speaking device we have now. You know, um, the seizures. He used to get seizures when he was little, and we weren't sure if they were just from fevers or if they were going to chronic, going to continue. Um, and I it is terrifying to watch your child shake and shiver on the floor and not know where to touch them and not get it mm-hmm. to stop. And firemen are moving you out of the way and, you know, they're rushing him off. And I couldn't even ride in the back of the ambulance with him and all these things. And 100% out of my control, but not out of God's control because he brought Charlie safely through it. He brought all of us safely mm-hmm. through it. And no matter how terrifying it was for me, it wasn't for God, you know, it was, yeah. Charlie was still being taken care of. Yeah. And so remembering that, I think now when I feel those feelings helps me stay a little bit more grounded and present and, and not worry quite as hard, maybe mm-hmm. not, you know, just not sink as deeply into it as I probably used to do. Yeah. Oh, it's so important to remember where we've come from to help us continue to go forward. Absolutely. No matter exactly. what kind of challenge we face. So talk to me about how you've been able to develop a family culture that considers your typically developing children and your spe- special needs child in a way that's not just like surviving. Like how have you built a, a culture that takes into account everything and not just letting it be something that just is what it is because you feel like you have no control over it. Yeah. I think the the one thing that I've tried to be very intentional about in our house is to celebrate each and every person in the family, celebrate their differences. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than say, Charlie is different from us, it's Charlie is different in this way. Cora is different in this way. Jonas is different in this way. Mommy and daddy, we all have different needs. We all have different skills Mm -hmm. um, and gifts that God gave us. And we're a team. So we're a team with all these different things that we bring into it. And so we all always have to work together for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's been so helpful in parenting, because one of my biggest fears when, when the twins were, were little is that they would 
either they would feel ignored because Charlie just does take more time in certain ways practically I have to spend more time with him on certain things and I didn't want them to feel ignored Mm -hmm. but and I didn't want them to resent Charlie for that I wanted them to grow up with a heart for him and for people who are different in all the ways that they're different and so for us that for me especially like everywhere we go I try to celebrate like Everybody looks different. And isn't that cool that they're, that person is really into um, skateboarding, even though that terrifies me. And <laughs> But, you know, like just all of those things that like if they've never seen it before, I want to introduce them to it because for us, different is normal and I want it to be normal. And I want them mm-hmm. to really actively look for differences because they're excited about them and not fearful of them Mm -hmm. or hesitant to acknowledge them. Like they went to Charlie's special needs preschool, um, alongside him when they, before they started school. And it was the best thing we could have done because they had kids with, you know, cochlear implants in their class or leg braces like Charlie or um, behavioral aids that came and sat in the classroom with them. And so to them, like all of these things are normal and are worth being curious about and not being afraid of and ask mm-hmm. questions. And isn't that neat that that person gets to eat with that special fork or, you know, that they can change the volume as you're talking to them. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you know. Like, so it's just stuff like that. Like it's flip in perspective, I think. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic because culture does want us to all sort of fit into this mold and it's, yes. it can be it can be frustrating. We can all fall into the trap, even if we don't have a special needs child, of celebrating those things that the culture around us celebrates and not mm-hmm. really celebrating that child and that person that's in front of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, how do you protect your cultures, your culture when others don't understand you? I mean, I think we all to a varying degree degrees, if we're intentional about our culture, people around us may not understand it. Um, and like in your situation, how do you protect what you're building with your family? Because I'm sure a lot of people have a lot to say about the choices oh, you're making. <laughs> a lot of people have a lot to say. Yes. And you know, what's funny. I think the way that I protect it and then I encourage the kids to protect it because they have to learn that kind of advocacy Mm, too is to engage in dialogue with the people that don't get it or, or even more the people that are uncomfortable by it and choose to ignore us or ignore Mm. Charlie or like, you know, just walk on by because that's polite. Like we're all about, I mean, and obviously I've told you they're friendly. So we're all about like, bringing people into our kind of dynamic and you know, are you curious? Cause kids are curious. Kids will yeah. come up and be like, why can't you walk? Why are you in that wheelchair? Is it just for now? Or why can't you talk? Why do you use that thing? And they are so open about asking, yeah. but grownups, it's like we develop this filter of what's polite and what's not. And so the instincts with grownups is to kind of smile and keep walking. Yeah. You know, and, and I've even seen parents like, gently pull their children along when their kids want to stop and ask questions. And Mm -hmm. for me, I would, you know, risk being rude. I don't care. I would much rather you be rude and acknowledge that we're here and us get to have a conversation about it than to pretend like we're not here because that really does. I mean, talk about isolating, like 
parents of kids with special needs and their children feel isolated on a daily basis just because practical things that we can't do or participate in. Like Charlie gets invited to a trampoline party. We can't really go. And it's not because we don't want to. It's just practical stuff. So to add another layer of that when you're not acknowledged is really hard. So I just encourage our kids and lead by example to try to have conversations with people when we're out in the world that are mm-hmm. that that are that encourage conversation even if it's not a smooth conversation. Mhm. Oh, that's great. Um, you did touch on um, isolation, but is there anything else that you would want families that don't have special needs children to know and to understand, like that maybe we're afraid to ask, that you know that we're afraid to ask that you want to tell us? Well, I would say it's so funny. Oh, okay. This is a big one. And, and this is something that it's like comes from such a good place, is where, I, but. Whenever I talk to to parents of kids that don't, you know, just typical kids, and mm-hmm. they start to complain about something, or so and so has been home with the flu, or or so and so is not getting his math fractions, or dinner time mm-hmm. is really hard, and a lot of times, what people will do, my friends even will stop and say, "Oh, but I know that that doesn't compare with what you're going through, or what your your nights look like or your days look mm-hmm. like." And mm-hmm. I always stop and I say, "But it does because." Your heart and my heart, just like they're not, you can't graph them and map what's harder and what's not because Hmm. your experience is your own and it feels just as hard to you as mine does to me. And so, and it's not a competition of whose life is harder or better. And it's really hard to step away from that because like, I know, uh, like I know, and it's, I know that other families don't want us to feel like they're complaining. And they want to show that they see our situation. Mm-hmm. But what I would say to, to everybody is that we all have our hard stuff. Yeah. And we all have our levels of difficulty. And who am I to say that mine is harder than yours? Or, mm-hmm. or, or, and does it matter? You know, mm-hmm. like, I would much rather us lean in together on what we feel is the real stuff we're going through than to spend more time comparing, you know, yeah. because like God knows what we can handle and he knows where the stage we're in. And I just think there is no way to equate the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I've heard like, like when it comes to certain types of trauma, I've heard that like some people react to it differently than others based on life experience, what they've grown up with, what are the previous lies that they've believed about themselves. And so what may, like you said, even though on paper, you might be able to be like, well, your life is so much harder than mine. We, everybody's heart is hard. And for many, many different reasons that we don't ever, ever get to see it. It has to do with their heart and what they've experienced, what they believed and, and their, their, um, you know, subject to things that other people aren't and things that I can get through with a breeze, someone else can't and vice versa. And so it's, it's, it's a shame when we try, try to quantify, um, that, I mean, obviously we should have a heart of gratitude and perspective. There's something to be said for perspective, but like heart is still hard, you know? Yes, definitely. And compassion all around, you know, like I think the thing that helps me 
get perspective is to be compassionate for everybody's situation, no matter what it is. That's the thing that really does bring the perspective is that if I can bring the heart that I try to bring to my children when I parent them to other parents and to their family culture, whatever that looks like, I think it makes me not only a better friend, a better Christian, um, but a better like human, like mm-hmm. a better human, a better mom, it, because it it's training my own heart to look yeah. outward. Um, yeah, definitely. which I think is not its natural tendency. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I don't think it's any of our natural <laughs> tendency. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So as we wrap up, what's one word of encouragement that you can share with our listeners who are parents of special needs kids? Oh, I would say the biggest thing is you're not alone. Um, your experience, whatever you're going through right now, you are, you don't have to do it alone. Um, I would say reach out to your, your circle, the people you trust, um, and share whatever's on your heart because it's, it's easy to put up a front of like, I can manage or to stop asking for help because you feel like you always have to ask for so much because of your situation. And I would just say, if you give people the chance to be generous with their time and their emotions, Mm -hmm. then they will. And you'll be surprised and it will do your heart so much good. It Mm -hmm. took me a long time to learn that, to, to, to ask when I needed help and to let people into the real picture of our lives, no matter what it was and not worry about how it was taken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a gift that we can give ourselves and each other, especially as we build relationships. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and telling us about your book, Eat, Sleep and Save the World. Thanks for having me. Jamie's written a book on special needs parenting called Eat, Sleep, and Save the World. I have one copy to give away. If you'd like to be entered to win, just take a screenshot of the podcast and share it on social media and be sure to tag us at Build Your Best Family. You can find Jamie at www.jamiesumner.com. She's also on Facebook as jamiesumner.org. She's on Instagram as jamiesumner underscore author and also on Twitter as jamiesumner underscore. You can find links to all of this plus her book in the show notes. Build Your Best Family has a great website, but do you know an even better one? my wife's. She's been at this blogging thing for a while now, and she's got a lot of smart things to say about faith, family, and community. Aw, thanks, babe. When you're all done listening to this episode, head over to KimberlyAmici.com and see what I'm talking about. And don't forget, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose. Hey, that's my line. To learn more about Build Your Best Family, go to BuildYourBestFamily.com.